Nora Speaks is a weekly podcast that tugs at the soul and consciousness of the Black community. With show topics such as youth empowerment, education, women's impact, and civic engagement, Nora Speaks challenges the listener to not only join the movement, but be the movement. On the show, you'll learn from insightful guests who have demonstrated capacity in these fields and more, and I'm your host, Nora Muhammad. Welcome to the show. Another episode of the Nora Speaks podcast, and I'm your host, Nora Muhammad. I want to thank you for joining me in another episode, and I'm very excited, um, you know, for the new year that's coming in. You know, we always think, many of us think, that the new year brings with it such uh, possibility, um, and we set about, um, you know, developing New Year's resolutions, um, but I would encourage you to really take a deep reflective dive into your past year and look at all that you've accomplished. I remember at the end of 2017, there was so much on social media where people were talking about how disastrous the year was or how they couldn't wait for the year to end. And I just thought, my goodness, what a terrible thing or a terrible way to be um, as if, you know, 2018 would bring, um, you know, new habits or um, new successes that we ourselves don't have to work for. I mean, you know, whatever uh, disasters happened in 2017, we were part of the disaster. So any wins or successes that we want in 2018, then we will be part of those wins. So, you know, we have to really think about the targeted and specific activities and strategies and goals that we want so that we can create the outcomes that are suitable for us, the outcomes that we want. You know, and I just thought, man, you know, everybody can't wait for 2018, but it's the same people that are leaving 2017 that's going to be in 2018. So for them to have new outcomes in the new year, then they would have to uh, create new habits and new behaviors and, and, and develop new thinking. And so, you know, as we are approaching 2019, you know, the same, I would say, we have to really think about what we want um, in the new year, what gains we want to continue the momentum with, um, what challenges we want to set for ourselves, um, what areas of weakness we want to strengthen, you know, the end of the year is always a time of reflection, but I would encourage you to uh, take the time to reflect any time during, during the year. If it's quarterly, you know, every so often just sit with your notebook or your journal and just really think about where you are uh, and where you want to be and, you know, creating measurable outcomes. Uh, because sometimes when we don't create a measurable outcome, for example, um, if there's a certain uh, uh, amount of weight someone wants to lose, or maybe there's a certain number of miles, you know, somebody wants to run, you know, actually write that figure down. Um, if it's how many books that you want to sell, write that number down so that you have a very specific goal, which is measurable. Um, sometimes we let ourselves off the hook when we don't create measurable outcomes that, uh, to achieve um, and then the time comes and the time goes, and we really have no way of charting, um, you know, where we are, 
um, our gains or our setbacks. So as this new year comes, I pray that you get out of it everything that you um, put into it. And, um, you know, I, I hope that you are uh, certainly blessed in this new year to come and that you end this year uh, giving it your best, doing your best, being your best self for you and for others. Um, because, uh, you know, that's the most rich and rewarding way for us to be. But in this episode, you know, um, you know, we are hearing on the news about the untimely death of a young seven-year-old who took her own life after being bullied at her school. And it is such a tragic, tragic story. It's unfortunate. Um, you know, I, I, I grieve for that family, for that mother, for that community. Um, you know, what potential did we lose in that young sister? You know, she could have been a doctor and, uh, you know, found a cure for, you know, diseases that haven't been identified yet. You know, she could have been the engineer that created um, uh, something that uh, would bring us new technology that could benefit, you know, the environment. You know, so when we lose our children, we lose so much potential. You know, she could have been the mother of the son or the mother of the daughter that would change uh, the face of our community. So, you know, when we lose one, we certainly, we certainly lose a lot. And thinking about her, it really brings me to um, a conversation about us helping our young people develop confidence, helping our young people develop their self-confidence. Um, you know, we can't just leave it to chance that we, you know, we provide a roof over our children's heads, we provide them a, a, a warm bed to sleep in and send them off to school and, um, you know, go through our day-to-day -day rituals and think that they're just going to develop confidence in themselves. They're going to develop a sense of self and they're going to become self-possessed. In the world that we live in, we really have to be intentional about that because the world is very intentional about breaking us down. The world is very intentional about letting us know that we don't belong, that there's no place for us. We're seeing this daily. And so as the world is intentionally um, shunning us, um, teaching us that we are inferior, um, as the world is intentional, we too have to be intentional in our parenting and help our children to be intentional in their own development. When I go out and I talk to young people, and, I, and I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to have young audiences, then I talk to them about six components or six building blocks of confidence. And the first that we'll start talking about um, now is um, surroundings. It is so important that our surroundings are such that we have the, the, the opportunity in our environment to grow and to flourish, to make mistakes and to be supported as we get back up, um, to be supported to try new things, 
tackle new challenges. Uh, I recognize that there is a lot of negativity, um, negative content, negative conversation, a lot of doubting conversations. And in this cloud, our young people are learning to the language of doubt. And so as parents and as teachers, as facilitators, as speakers, as aunts and, and, and neighbors and uncles and fathers, then we have to make sure that the environment, the surroundings of our young people, whether it's their school, whether it's their home, whether it's their neighborhood, their block, um, the team that they're on, the activities that they participate in, uh, the stores that they go to, that these areas, these surroundings are ones that do not work to diminish the potential to put out the fire or to be an extinguisher to the light that's in our young people. So surroundings are very, very important. So, you know, whether it's that friend that you go around um, that is always gossiping, um, if it's that uh, family that you go around and, you know, they're always so upbeat and energetic and, and full of life, you know, the surroundings that our children are in, the surroundings that we are in, it, it matters. It matters. And if we don't, when we don't um, really, um, um, if we're not careful about the surroundings, then our young people, our children, their attitudes and their minds can become contaminated and polluted. It, it's, it's, like, it's like swimming in a river, swimming in an ocean or a lake that, that is polluted, you know, that has toxic waste in it. Then whatever kinds of illness or disease is produced from being in a toxic environment, then we're going to suffer that. So the surroundings that we have our young people in matter. The second component or the second building block of self-esteem that I talk to young people about are our thoughts. The things that we think about ourselves, the things that we think about others. So, for example, if we are met with a challenge and our first thought is, I can't, if our first thought is doubt, then we have just disqualified ourselves from the potential and opportunity of trying something new, from the potential and opportunity to win, from the potential and opportunity to learn something new, what we think about ourselves matters. Our thoughts can be like a refrain or a song that plays in our heads. And so we have to be surrounded by positivity. We have to be bathed in positivity. And then the environment can help produce the thinking that we have for ourselves. So for many of us and for our young people, this is a real retraining for us. Um, I don't believe that we are born in doubt. I believe that's why we cry when we're hungry because we have the expectation that our needs would be met. But the life that we live, the experiences that we have create doubt, where we wonder, will I be safe? Will I be good enough? Will someone love me? Will someone like me? So our, our experiences begin to create 
doubt in us. And then those same experiences began to create doubt in ourselves, um, for ourselves and about ourselves. So we have to be very, very vigilant about our thoughts. Our thoughts are like us having a conversation with ourselves. What do we say to ourselves? You know, we would we wouldn't tell a friend that, you know, you're unattractive, nobody would like you, you're not good enough. We would always cheer our best, best friend. We would cheer her on or him on. We would support him if he got down, if, if he made a mistake. Then we would say, get up, you can do it, you can do it. These are the things that we would say to someone else. And so the thoughts that we think should be these same thoughts. So the thoughts that we think should be positive, they should be uh, full of hope and possibility. Um, because if we have thoughts of doubt, then we're going to act in doubt. And so the next building block to confidence are our actions. What do we do? So, you know, when I work with young people, it's, you know, public speaking is something that many of us have a fear or discomfort, um, at the least a discomfort, but for many of us, it's a fear. And I challenge young people, look, if you want to develop confidence in yourself, then you have to conquer something that is challenging to you. And for many of us, of course, that's public speaking. So we have to put our children and encourage our children to be in circumstances that challenge them, where they have to take some kind of action that is out of their comfort zone. It's very, very easy to do the things that we are good at, um, to, to, to engage in the activities where we already thrive and excel. But what about tackling those activities where we're poor in or, or tackling those activities that we've never done, to be in those places that we've never gone, to talk to those people that we've never spoken with? So putting ourselves and encouraging our children to be in new environments, taking new actions, that can go a long way at helping them develop confidence. Because when we take the opportunity to tackle a new challenge, to get up in front of the room and to speak, and to survive it, and to walk away having done okay, that gives them the confidence to do it a second time and a third time. So really uh, uh, encouraging our children to engage in new activities, to go outside their comfort zone, that is definitely beneficial towards building confidence. So another component, another building block of confidence is appearance. And, you know, we say, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And we say, um, you know, beauty is only skin deep or real beauty comes from the inside. And I'm not negating any of that. That is true. But how we appear, it impacts how we feel about ourselves. So think about the last time you had somewhere very important to go to. And because you wanted to 
feel good about yourself, then you put on your best. Maybe you bought something new. You had your hair done. Your shoes were just so. You had the, you had the colors on that makes your skin pop or your eyes pop. How we appear impacts how we feel about ourselves. And this isn't to suggest that we have to go out and buy something new, but I'm saying we have to be very uh, mindful about how we appear um, and, and, and to be mindful about how we allow our children to appear. You know, I see a lot of young guys uh, who, who let their pants sag, and some let their pants sag very, very low. And if they're, I think if they're in the store and they're standing next to the man in the suit, with the, you know, the jacket and the slacks and the dress shoes. How do they how do these young guys feel about themselves with their pants hanging below their backsides? How do they really feel about themselves? I can't imagine that these young guys feel confident. And they show that they don't feel confident in their posture, in their language, um, in how they treat themselves, how they treat others. They show it. So we have to help our young people feel confident by helping them with their appearance. You know, I see, you know, our young ladies and, you know, their hair isn't always done or sometimes they're trying to imitate what they see on television. You know, so they have the false eyelashes on, but they really don't look good. You know, um, you know they have, you know, the blue lipstick on or they'll have the, the weave or the wig or the this or the that. And they're, they're, they're putting on a costume and they're imitating what they see performers wear on television when they're in character. And now the characters are off the stage walking next to us in our communities and in the supermarkets and in the department stores. And I think, well, who are you really? We have to help our young people develop themselves from the inside out, definitely, absolutely, without a doubt but help them with their general appearance. You know, there's something to being raised and your mother is teaching you how to groom yourself properly. Your father is teaching how to groom, the importance of dental hygiene, you know, the importance of skin care, um, the importance of, of bodily hygiene, the importance of using the appropriate moisturizer, um, you know, doing our hair properly. I think that we have a tremendous gap in the generations that used to be very, very um, vigilant and strict about physical appearance to the generation that we have now. Um, you know, it, you know, mom and grandma, they're going to the Korean store to 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 get their hair and to get their eyelashes or you know they're going to the Koreans to get their nails done and 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 you know maybe that has its place but we really just have to get back to good old fashioned grooming and the reason why I say this is because now I'm not pleased if if you know there's a condition called alopecia and many women and men do have that and of course if that's an issue that someone has then they would, you know, cover their baldness. Alopecia is balding. Um, but they would cover that, you know, using a weave or using a wig. And I'm not talking about um, the things that we do because of uh, physical trauma or medical conditions. 
But I'm just talking about the lengths that we go to to hide who we are, the lengths that we go to to enhance our natural beauty in artificial ways. And, um, you know, I, I know a lot of women who, you know, who, who like makeup, who wear makeup, you know, and I, I watch these tutorials. I guess I'm um, sidetracking for a minute, but I watch these women with these tutorials that they'll put on Facebook and it's so many applications of makeup and I, I, I'm sure it's expensive. I wonder what that's doing to a person's pores. I wonder what is in this stuff that we're putting on our skin. Um, and then I wonder what have you done nutritionally or through physical activity to improve the way that we appear. So my, my, my sidebar is over, I guess. But just in terms of general appearance, you know, we really have to help our young people feel good when they walk out the house, feel good by having their hair done. They don't have to worry about the wind blowing because there's nothing that's going to blow away or blow off of them. You know, helping our young men feel good about having groomed hair, helping our young ladies have, you know, trimmed and clean fingernails. Um, think about how good we feel as adults when we go out. We can't neglect our children. And I've seen young people, children, who have clothes that are too small, shoes that are too tight, you know, but mom is in the latest. So we have to do better. We, we really have to do better as a community. So appearance. Appearance impacts our confidence. And sometimes I think we forget that our children are developing as people. These young, these young bodies, these, these, these young individuals, these toddlers, these 10-year-olds, these 11-year-olds, these tweens, these teens, they're, going, they're developing into adulthood. And so we have to help them now while they're young. We have to train them now while they're young to develop good habits so that their appearance is good and they can feel good about themselves, you know, when they're in public. And also, let me just say, too, about appearance. You know, there are some things about us that we might not be able to change, physical things, for example. Um, maybe it's um, braces. Maybe we need braces and, and maybe, you know, we can't afford that for our children. Or maybe there's a, a mole that someone may have and maybe you can't get that mole removed. Or maybe it's just something... Um, that you wish about yourself that you could look differently. And there's some things that we just can't change. And so what I'm suggesting in these building blocks of confidence is we have to learn to love ourselves anyway and, help, and learn those, to love those things about ourselves. So there's a, a, a brother who's a rap artist, and I, I really like the brother. His name is J. Cole, and he has this song, and he's talking about Crooked Smile. You know, and basically he's saying, look, you just have to love yourself. You can change it if you want to. I, you know, he's a, 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 a great artist. You know, he's, he's made quite a bit of money for himself. And he says, look, I did all of this with my crooked smile. You know, so there may be things that we want to change physically about ourselves, physically about our parent, appearance. And if we can, that's great. Um, like, like, like getting braces. But there may be times when we can't change that thing. Or maybe we can't change that thing yet. But that thing is not 
in totality you. That is just a part of you. That is just a part of that child. And so we have to help our children develop the confidence and the love of themselves so that they can continue on in spite of that imperfection that they've identified. We all have imperfections. Um, and we all have to learn to live with our imperfections if those things cannot be changed. Um, but just in terms of general appearance, we want our young people to feel and look their best every time that they leave our homes. The next component or building block of confidence is competence, mastery. So one of the goals of young people is to master something. All of us, we want to master something. I believe that competence breeds confidence. The better we are at something, the better we feel when we're doing it. So I'll go back to the public speaking example. Um, the better we are at speaking in public because we've practiced, because we've taken the action, then the more confident we are when it's time to perform that activity. So we have to help our children find some area of mastery, um, whether it's through sports, whether it's academic, whether it's recreational, whether it's through a hobby. Help our young people identify something that they like to do and that they're really, really good at it. And then let them know that that is special about them. You know, every child may not be academically inclined. Every child may not be athletically inclined. Every child may not be musically inclined, but they will have some inclination for something. And when we've helped them identify it, continue supporting the development in that area so that they can have a, a, a level of mastery in some component of their lives, whether it's baking, whether it's sewing, whether it is through athletics, it's track or it's football or whatever it is, support our young people in developing mastery in some area. I mean, think about, think about doing an activity that we are completely unfamiliar with, right? Confidence is low, but the better we get, the stronger we get. And once we know we've reached a level of confidence in that area, let alone mastery, just when I know I can do this and I'm okay, but how about when I can do it and I'm great? That is definitely a great step in the right direction towards building our young people's confidence. And then the last point, the last building block that I'll share of confidence is knowledge having information and having the right information. You know, one of the, one of the things that um, is, is so unfortunate is that our young people lack a knowledge of themselves. Um, and I'm talking about young black children. They lack a knowledge of themselves. And as I said, this world is so great at robbing us of our potential of interrupting our confidence and our love of, of ourselves. But when we have a knowledge of who we are, when we know who we are, then that is something that nobody can take from us. So I'm going to use an example. I did a workshop several months ago at Temple University, and I was talking to young people um, young girls, 
teenage girls, and I was talking to them about character. And one of the one of the negative character traits I shared was insecurity, lack of confidence. And so the young lady, one of the young ladies asked me why that was a character flaw. Um, and so we got into this really, really great discussion. And so another young lady said, well, what if you feel insecure not about doing something, not about some, you know, engaging in an activity? What if you feel insecure about the way you look? And I kept going back to insecure is lack of confidence. Insecurity can be shame. And those are negative character traits. So when she talked about feeling insecure about how she looked. And I said, well, so we're talking about maybe shame in how we look or we're talking about lacking confidence in our appearance. And she said, yes. So I asked her, why would we feel insecure or shameful about how we look? And she was a, a brown skin, brown skin sister, beautiful young lady. I said, why would we feel insecure about the way we look? So we talked and we talked about um, media and marketing and, and how, you know, the marketers profit when we are insecure, when we feel that we need something, when we feel that, you know, somehow we're insufficient. And so we, we need to, you know, acquire an item or, or a thing to fulfill something that's missing in us, that they convince is missing in us. So I, I, I told them the only reason that we would feel insecure is if we were convinced of it when we were young. So as the discussion progressed and we were talking about standards of beauty, I asked them, well, who gave you your standard of beauty? You know, and, and you know, we were just kind of going round and round. And finally, you know, the conversation went back to 400 years ago when we were taught that we were ugly. I mean, think about it. We didn't know when we, we were ugly when we were in our homeland with one another, only seeing each other, feeling good about each other. How did the black man and woman develop insecurity? Where would that have come from if we were all the same and we saw no differences? So the bottom line became they realized after our, our discussion that insecurity was put into us to create a feeling, a sense of inferiority. So I had to talk about that sense of inferiority that causes that insecurity that that young woman was wrestling with. So this is how the conversation went. I asked them, how can you feel inferior when you're dominant? And of course, you know, they thought I meant physical dominance. So I had to get into some science with them. And fortunately, I had a medical student there who could, you know, bear witness to the science that I was sharing. But I started like this. I, I said, what colors can you produce with white paint? Right, none. And so I asked them, what colors can you produce with black paint? Many, of course. So if you can get black, if you can't get any color from white, but you can get all of the colors from black, 
then which is dominant? So then I talked to them about the Punnett squares and the dominant and the recessive. And so I explained to them is what we have is this is a case of the dominant believing that it is inferior because the recessive convinced the dominant that it is inferior. And not only did the recessive convince the dominant that the dominant was inferior, the recessive convinced the dominant that the recessive is dominant. I hope you followed me. When we don't have a knowledge of ourselves, when we believe that we are inferior, even though we are dominant, we are original, and we come first, if we think that there is something missing in us, then we're going to spread that disease of insecurity and inferiority to generations to generation. So it is so important that we have knowledge because with knowledge, you can't be fooled. And so once I explained to them that, sister, you might feel insecure, but let me tell you the truth about yourself. You are dominant. You are dominant. You are superior. And this isn't, I'm not talking about racial superiority. I know some get that kind of confused. I'm not talking about racial superiority. I'm talking about math and I'm talking about science. And I told them that is why it is so important that we study math and that we study science because not studying it, we won't find ourselves in it. You know, they tell us, you know, oh, girls, you know, we're bad at math. We're not good at science. And, 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 and that's just nonsense. We have to see ourselves in it. And if we are discouraged from pursuing these fields, we won't find ourselves in it. So once I broke down to that group of young women that just by science, not because it is my opinion, not because it's February and Black History Month and I want to say, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. No, just by science, not hype, not rhetoric, but by mathematics and by science, you are dominant. Once you know you're dominant, there's nothing left to feel insecure about, and you have everything to be confident about. So this is what I'm talking about with knowledge. When we lack knowledge, when we lack knowledge, then information is withheld from us, and we come to conclusions that are just erroneous because our conclusions are not based in anything factual. So we have to encourage our young people to get knowledge. Heck, we have to give them knowledge. We have to teach them these things. When they have these things, then they can't be tricked. Now, certainly, you know, I think about that young sister that took her life. Certainly the pain of being taunted, um, the pain of being teased, the pain of being ostracized and excluded and bullied, certainly that pain exists. But what we know is we don't have to, to want to immerse ourselves in any other group, with any other person, to qualify ourselves, to make ourselves worthy, to validate ourselves. And this is something that we have to know as parents. You know, sometimes we want to leave our communities um, and go into other communities um, because they're better. And, of course, we always have to think about health and safety, you know. Um, But what we're finding is, Running out of the black communities isn't necessarily safer. We're finding a lot of danger um, anywhere that we go. I mean, you know, we're seeing what's happening on college campuses. 
You know, you have a service a serviceman who um, is lawfully carrying a gun, gunned down by the police while he was being a hero and helping people. You know, we had Philando Castillo who was uh, licensed to carry a firearm and informed the officer that he had a firearm so there wouldn't be any accidents, and look what happened. So, you know, this isn't something that we can run from, um, but there are ways that we can fix what's broken in our communities so they're not places that we feel we have to flee. They're not places we have to escape because where we are escaping to um, is not the solution. So these things that I would urge you to share with young people, these are the things that I share with them. When you're working with them as a, as a mentor, as a coach, as a counselor, remember our surroundings, our thoughts, our actions, our appearance, our competence, and our knowledge all impact the confidence factor that we have. This impacts the confidence factor that our young people have. The world is siphoning the confidence, siphoning the love of self, siphoning uh, the worthiness right out of our young people. So we have to be vigilant in not just building them up, restoring them, but in giving them what they need to maintain it. Um, Remember, surroundings, thoughts, actions, appearance, competence, and knowledge. I want you to be blessed. Thank you so much for listening. Come back next week for another great episode of the Nora Speaks podcast. Stay in peace. Thank you again for listening to the Nora Speaks podcast. Be on the lookout for another episode coming at you fresh next week. And as always, if you want to learn more about me and the work that I do, visit my website, norazahira.com. Or if you have a listener question that you would like me to answer on air, you can email me at questions at norazahira.com. You can also follow me on Facebook at Muhammad and on Instagram at norazz20. I'll be sure to include links to the above in today's show notes. If this show has value to you, please like and subscribe and share it out with family and friends. And be sure to check out previous episodes. And remember, don't just join the movement, be the movement. Stay in peace.